The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church and Pastor Mark Ermler. You do have an insert inside your bulletin this morning. If you'd like to follow along, we're in the middle of a series simply entitled God's Calendars, the Feast of the Lord. We have been able to look at the Feast of Passover from two perspectives historically, and there we went to Exodus chapter number 12, and then Two weeks ago, we went into the New Testament, and we saw that Jesus Christ was our Passover. What a blessing it is for us to recognize that God's eternal plan has been established from before the foundation of the world. And it's all taking place just as He said. That gives me great confidence as I recognize that all the other things that God said about what is yet to come, that will take place as well. So we rejoice in this series of messages on the Feast of the Lord. Thank God for the Passover and for what God provided for us through the precious blood, not of an innocent lamb, but of the Lamb of God that came to take away the sin of the world. Uh, Let's go to Leviticus chapter 23 in our Bibles. And as you go to Leviticus... Let me just first of all give you, as we're looking at the second feast, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, going to give you just the basic message. Leviticus chapter number 23, this is where we have the instruction concerning this Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so the basic message, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, points to the whole course and conduct of the believer's life from the day of his conversion onward. There are seven feasts, and five of them are one-day celebrations. Two of them are seven days in nature. The one-day celebrations all point to a specific work, that which God would fulfill prophetically here as we gaze to Leviticus chapter 23, All of this was fulfilled through the life of the Lord Jesus Christ when He came 2,000 years ago. And so the first feast, the Passover, that tells us where it all begins with our walk or journey with God. It begins when we recognize that it's only through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that we can have salvation. Our sins are covered by the blood as we we receive uh, God's Son. And the precious blood that he shed on our behalf. Just as Exodus 12 tells us that blood was applied to the doorpost of the lintel, uh, there above the door, there was a protection between the death angel that came, the Bible says, to every home in the land of Egypt. And yet all of those that were inside where the blood was applied, there was safety. Listen, can I tell you this morning, your only safety in eternity is recognizing Jesus Christ and receiving Him as your only salvation. That's what the Scripture lays down. So we all thank God for His so great salvation. We thank God that uh, He is our Passover And I trust every person here has received Jesus Christ as their Savior. And if not, can I tell you, the journey doesn't even begin until you receive Christ, until you're saved. And that's where it all starts. 
And that's the picture we have in Exodus 12 as well as here, Leviticus chapter number 23. So that's the basic message of this feast. By the way, the difference between the one-day feast and the seven-day feast actually is one of, in point of time, this is the work of God. Uh, The Passover is the work of God. Uh, As we move along here uh, to the resurrection, that's going to be highlighted as the work of God. Pentecost, that's the work of God. But the seven-day feast reminds us of a continuation, something that is ongoing. See, Jesus only had to die one time for the sin of the world. But do you realize that as pilgrims, as those that are under the blood, as those that have trusted in Jesus Christ alone for our eternal salvation, we now begin this pilgrim journey. And that's what the Feast of Unleavened Bread is all about, all right? Uh, It began the Passover, the 14th day. Would you notice there? From the 15th day to the 21st day of Nisan, uh, there you have that continuing walk. The difference between salvation in a moment of time, you can be saved. Anytime that you recognize that you're a sinner, that there's nothing you can do to earn your way to heaven, that you must have Jesus Christ as God's great mediator between God and man, that you recognize that his blood is powerful enough to wash all of our sins, past, present, and future. When you come to Christ as your Passover, then God gives you power to live a different kind of life. So the contrast between the Passover feast and the unleavened bread celebration of a week is the difference between the salvation that God does in a moment in time and now the sanctifying work that's a day-by-day work. Of course, we have sanctification only in and through Jesus Christ, but there is now God's desire that we would understand that we're changed because we know the Savior, all right? Uh, So we had the seven feasts. We have here the difference between the Passover and uh, the unleavened bread. In this feast of unleavened bread, let me just share with you this. There was no unleavened bread was to be eaten or was it to be seen or was it to be allowed in the home. You say, what's unleavened bread? You ever hear of yeast? All right, yeast is leaven. The wonderful thing about yeast, how many, how many are bakers here and you work with yeast once in a while, okay? How much do you need? You know, two, two cups of flour, one cup of yeast, is that how it goes? Oh, no, 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 Pastor, you just need a little bit of it. Uh, you don't want to put a cup of yeast in anything unless you want to have an explosion inside your kitchen, all right? So we realize that what makes that uh, flour and water and salt rise is going to be the yeast. And you put just a little bit of yeast in it, and you're going to see that's going to rise. That's what makes your sourdough bread, all right? Uh, Those little pockets that you see, that was the work of the yeast. Now, the thing about yeast is you really can't hear it working, but you can see it. Every time you walk by, you, you maybe have the bowl in the kitchen with that. Uh, some of you have uh, just some cloth overneath that pile of, uh, of uh, dough. And uh, you go, come by half an hour later, and it's, whoa, a little bit bigger. And you come by a little bit later, whoa. And sometimes you, you didn't pay attention, and you go, oh, no, because it's just all over the place. 
You know, that is what leaven is. It's that little thing that gets into our life that grows. And it's likened to sin in the life of the believer. And the reality is, is that, yes, God provided my salvation for me. And I thank God for that. But now there is this work. There's, there's, a, there's a, a, a sanctification that takes place here. Basically, uh, this is God's work on my behalf, and I thank God for it. Uh, and, and yet there is a work of sanctification that's ongoing where God encourages me uh, to search out for leaven in my life so I can come and repent of it and God can deal with it and uh, we can see the right kind of spiritual growth instead of the wrong kind of spiritual growth. So let's read the text here a little bit concerning both the connection of the Passover and the unleavened bread. Uh, again, I hope you see how close they are together. Verse number 4. These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations which ye shall proclaim in their season in the 14th day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. All right, so that would be the end of the day. We're talking about the 14th at the very end of the day. Remember, the day started for the Jewish uh, uh, clock there at 6 in the evening. And uh, so it's at the end of the day that they're finishing up the Passover feast, but then after 6 o'clock, it's into the next day. Our day switches at midnight. They're switched there at 6 o'clock. And so the picture is, as they're celebrating the Passover at the very end of the 14th day, and they're feasting on the lamb with the bitter herbs, then the Bible says immediately, 6 o'clock, you're now starting the Feast, of the, pa- uh, the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So when the work of the Passover is done, when the blood has been applied to the doorpost to our lives, God is not looking at us now through the lens of my good works or my religiosity. God's looking at me through the lens of His perfect Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God that came to take away the sin of the world. He declares me absolutely righteous. Why? Because I have received Jesus and His righteousness. He was made to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him, 2 Corinthians 5.21. That's the great exchange. And that's what God did at the Passover. And now immediately we start this feast of the unleavened bread. Let's look at it this morning. I'm not sure how far we're going to get into this, but I I really believe that there is some work that the Holy Spirit wants to do in my heart today, in all of our hearts today, and uh, let's allow God now through these verses to challenge us. Can I read now verse 6? And on the 15th day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread unto the Lord. Seven days ye must eat unleavened bread. In the first day ye shall have a holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein, but ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord seven days. In the seventh day is a holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein. Lord, I ask you this morning that you would help us as we just sang, Lord. We're desiring for you to teach us. We're desiring to hear your voice through your word. We're desiring that your Holy Spirit today would 
Help us push away all the, the thoughts of this world. And God, that we would be in this moment focused on you. Lord, we know these feasts are all about a celebration of drawing near to our God. Lord, as we have that desire in this new year, draw me nearer. I pray that we would, through these feasts, recognize how we can draw near to you. And I pray your help even this morning as I preach. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Number one, I'd like you to go back to Exodus 12 as we look, first of all, at who could eat. Who could eat. This unleavened bread or this festival, this feast time of unleavened bread is actually first mentioned here in Exodus chapter number 12. It's always interesting to look at the first time a a word is used in the scripture. It helps us get a good understanding of the meaning of that word. But we see here that as uh, throughout the scripture, leaven is likened unto sin and how uh, just a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. The Bible teaches us in Galatians. It doesn't take a lot to infect everything. So sin in our life, even in those areas that we think, well, that's just such a little thing. It's, it, 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 it just really isn't much. And we don't realize that by letting that little sin into our life, uh, there is a growth, an exponential growth into areas that we look back and we say, how did I get here? And God's desiring to help us through this feast of unleavened bread to see uh, the importance of dealing with sin in a very serious, serious manner. I, I don't think we see sin as God does, exceedingly sinful. I don't think we have the same outlook because we don't understand the price that was paid so that your sin could be forgiven you. God knew the price. God knew the sacrifice that he would have to make on our behalf. And sometimes, to be honest, we as Christians, we thank God for 1 John 1, 9, and I hope we don't use that as an excuse for us to go ahead and sin because we know that we have forgiveness, but that we would rather see that we are breaking the heart of God and God is desiring to warn us concerning this sin that can creep into each and every one of our hearts. Oh, it's a small thing, but it spreads secretly, quietly. Oh, there will be evidence of it sooner or later in our life. It will be visible. But when it starts, it starts in darkness and dampness and, 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 and secret, a secret place. In the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 1, the Apostle Paul says, It's reported commonly that there is fornication among you and ye are puffed up. Boy, that sounds like yeast at work. That sounds like the fact that, oh, we kind of let something into our life and, and that little something began to grow until now. Great sin is coming forth from our lives. In this case, the illustration of fornication. We'll come back to that verse because leaven's going to be mentioned a little bit later on in the text. You say, what's infected when we don't deal with leaven in our life? Here's what's infected. Not, not my salvation, that's eternal. But what is impacted is my fellowship with God. 
That's what's impacted. When I am not willing to do the work of searching out for the leaven, can I explain to you what they would do over these seven days? Literally, they would get a, a candle and they would get a little spoon and a little feather and they would go throughout the, throughout the entire house looking for leaven anywhere because God said none could be in the house. So there was a great work that took place where everybody, okay, would you check the cupboard there in the kitchen and uh, let's, uh, I, I, I don't think there's leaven in the bathroom, but let's check. Let's look in the closets. Let's look in the drawers. Let's look in the cupboards. Why? Because God demanded that for his pilgrims, for his wanderers that were going to head to the promised land, that they would celebrate in remembrance of the Passover. Now there's the power for them to live a certain kind of life. Because of what God did in delivering them and transforming them, now God is desiring for them to see the need of leaven being dealt with. You see, that very night they were to leave the land of Egypt. Here in Exodus chapter 12, you found it. Let me just read here a couple of verses to you to help us see. The Passover is mentioned in the beginning. Verse number 11 says this, And thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. All right, so this is the evening of the 14th, and they are eating in haste, and they have to eat all of the lamb. None could be left over. They could not break the bone. Uh, here was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ and his perfection, and we went through that for two weeks. But now we see from that 14th, we're now going into the first day of this Feast of Unleavened Bread. And God is now calling us to be observant concerning the leaven that may be hiding in our hearts. Be concerned with the leaven because it is a little thing. But everything it touches is impacted. And so the warning here is for those travelers for them to recognize the exceeding sinfulness of sin. Paul wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.19, But let those who name the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Those that are washed in the blood, those that have received Jesus Christ, let them now be aware, you're a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That you now have a power in the Lord Jesus Christ that you didn't have before you were saved. That this is not willpower, but this is the Spirit of God working in and through us to develop a love for our Lord. Drawing nigh to Him means being willing to step away from the leaven. Listen, it's a matter of fellowship, it's a matter of communion. Be ye holy, for I am holy. That's God. God is a thrice holy God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And he calls his people to himself. And one of these pictures is this feast of unleavened bread where we are called to deal with the leaven in our lives. No leavened bread was to be eaten or to be seen or to be allowed in the house as Exodus 12 teaches us. So first of all, who could eat it? Who could eat it? Look at verse 43 in Exodus 12. I have you there. Let me just look at a couple verses. 
And the Lord said unto Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. There shall no stranger eat thereof, but every man's servant that is brought for money when they are circumcised him, then shall he eat thereof. And there's a continuation between the feast of the Passover, that one-day feast on the 14th, and the continuation now over the next seven days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And there were only certain folks that were allowed, and that was family. Family. Or you that have converted here to uh, the faith of Jehovah God in the Old Testament. No one else is allowed. Uh, by the way, this is a celebration. This is not a, uh, a list of do's and don'ts. This is a celebration with God. This is a call to intimacy with God. This is a call to fellowship with God. Where God in 1 John uh, chapter number 1 talks about uh, walking in the light as He is in the light. It's talking about fellowship with God, communion with God, relationship with God. Why wouldn't we want to deal with the leaven if that is opening up an opportunity for us to know Christ in a greater way? Oh, the, the life that God offers to us. Who is it? It's those that are in the family. Are you in the family of God? You know, Unless you're in Christ, you'll never know the power and deliverance that Christ can bring. You'll never know victory over sin. You'll really struggle in your own self uh, to do the best that you can where the Scripture lays out for us that, no, my power to do right doesn't come from me. It comes from God's Spirit that now resides inside of me. And God will help us as we see uh, sin for what it is. It was a matter of birth. And that's who could eat. How did they eat? Go back to verse 11 of chapter 12. How were they to eat? And thus shall you eat it with your loins gird, with your shoes on your feet. What a wonderful picture that is. Don't you see that they were not to stay in Egypt even a moment after the Passover? Think about it, the Passover there on the 14th toward the evening, and they were all ready to be fully clothed. I would think, hey, if I'm heading for nighttime, I should be putting on my pajamas, you know, and uh, getting ready to uh, uh, go to bed. But not them. They're getting ready for a journey. They're getting ready for a walk. Uh, they're getting ready here with staff in hand. That gives a picture of this journey that's about to take place and I tell you, that's what God offers every one of you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, can I tell you, there is a journey awaiting you that begins that Passover when you receive Jesus and the blood that he shed on your account and a journey where God will walk with us and fellowship with us and commune with us. And, and, and he delivers us from Egypt. We could never do that ourselves. God was the deliverer. God is the one that allowed the people to go free. Uh, how did they eat? They ate this feast as pilgrims. They were called out at a moment's notice. Egypt was not their home. Let's look in Exodus 12, a couple verses later. I'd like you to go, um, let's see, verse number 37. And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 on foot that were men besides uh, children, and a mixed multitude went up also with them, and flocks and herds, even very much cattle, and they baked unleavened 
cakes of the dough which they brought forth out of Egypt. Here you have a demonstration of the thought of leaven being dealt with on the journey, and there you have it uh, in type here as they actually left uh, with dough that did not have leaven in it. They're on their journey. They're eating flatbread, right? Uh, they're, they're, They're feasting here on that without the leaven. So the who could eat, those that are in the family, how did they eat it? They ate it in haste. They ate it in anticipation here of uh, this new life, this new journey they have. Notice number three, what? What? What did they eat? All right, first of all, they ate the lamb. They ate the lamb. And again, they're, they're so connected. You can't pull Passover really apart from the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The scripture tells us there in verse number 8, they were to feed on the lamb. Can I ask you what gives you your, journey, your strength for your journey today in your Christian walk? If it's anything but Jesus Christ, can I tell you your appetite needs to be brought in line with a recognition that only Jesus Christ is going to satisfy. Only Jesus Christ and feeding on him will give us the spiritual strength to walk the journey as God desires for us to walk it. And they were, according to every man's appetite, to partake of that lamb and then partake of this unleavened bread with bitter herbs. Deuteronomy tells us that they were to remember the Passover and and the bitter herbs, a picture of the suffering that took place when the lamb gave... It's life for those that were under judgment, under condemnation. Listen, the death angel would have come to every home if that blood had not been on the doorposts. And so it is with our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shed his blood for us, and now we feast on him. That's the why. That's the why. When do you eat it? When do you eat it? They ate the lamb to be strengthened. Oh, go back one time. Go back a slide, please. Thank you. Uh, Why? They uh, ate the lamb to be strengthened for their journey. And now can we go to the next one, Dave? Point number five, if that's possible. Thank you. When did they eat it? They ate it during those seven days. Exodus 12, 37 onward. They ate it on the journey. They had their shoes on. They had their their robes on. They had their staff in their hand. And I'm I'm just wanting you to picture with me that night. They've just celebrated the Passover. All the relief that came to every household. All the joy that filled their house and the agony that filled the house of every one of the Egyptian families as the death angel came and took the oldest. And there's wailing and weeping throughout the land, but for every household that was underneath the blood, there was rejoicing and singing and praise. God spared us. And now for those next seven days, again, a picture of continuation. They are eating, uh, honoring the sacrifice of the one that died for them. And oh, that the Lord would help us. Now let's go back that one slide, Dave. 
They were not saved by putting away leaven. It's not how anybody is saved. Isn't that funny? We always want to get the cart before the horse. We think somehow, if I deal with the leaven in my life, then God will save me. You got it backwards. God saves us by grace through faith and then gives us the power to walk in the newness of life. And so they were not saved by putting away leaven. They were reminded that Egypt was their past, but the Lamb could set them free. What a wonderful reminder that is. Listen, my life can be different. Remember Jesus' first sermon? Quoting Isaiah 65, verse number 1, to set the captives what? Free. Set them free. Isn't that what happened there in Egypt? They were set free. They were delivered. Why? Because of the blood. Listen, I don't deal with leaven to try to earn salvation. I receive salvation as a free gift. And then I walk worthy of my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm careful. I told you about the candle. By the way, Jewish families, Orthodox Jewish families today celebrate that feast by taking a candle, taking a feather, taking a spoon, and they literally uh, put leaven in different rooms. And then as a picture of what God did here, they go and they find that leaven and they take that spoon and somebody holds a candle and they take the feather and they get all the leaven out of the house. And ceremonially, they celebrate that to this day. But for us, it means something much more, doesn't it? For us, it means that our sins are forgiven. And now we have the power that only God can give to walk in this new life. Praise God for it. So let me share with you quickly here from the New Testament uh, what that means for us today. All right? Yes, it's a wonderful story. It's a wonderful feast. But what kind of leaven do I have in my life? And what is the church warned about? Let's go to several scriptures in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 5, 6. I'm going to go fast, so just write these down as I give them to you. Number one, you'll have in the end of your notes the old leaven. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Let me read 1 Corinthians 5. In its context, verse 6, your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaveneth leaveneth the whole lump. Purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. There's a connection between the Passover, a picture of my salvation, and now the leaven that God's desiring for me to, what does verse 7 say? Purge what? Purge out. Listen, God convicts us all the time of sin. God just through the Holy Spirit, is able to share with us both big and little. My, my thought this morning is, are we willing to deal with the old leaven that God reveals in our lives? The old leaven of pride. The old leaven here of, of uh, it doesn't take much. The Bible says it just takes a little bit. Just a little bit of bitterness. A little lie here. Oh, just taking something that doesn't belong to us. Just, just a small thing over here, over here. Oh, can I tell you, that's a part of the old life. And God's desiring that we would see that that old leaven needs to be removed and that we ought to purge it out. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven. 
Number one, the old leaven. Number two, the leaven of malice. The leaven of malice. You know, it's important for us to recognize here that uh, sometimes in our life we don't recognize that God is desiring for even the attitudes of our old life to, to, to be transformed, to be made new. We may in our old life have gotten bitter at somebody that did dirty to us, somebody that hurt us. Um, we may just well up with bitterness and anger against that individual. But the Scripture tells us that in our new life in Jesus Christ, there is no room for that malice. Let me read the end of verse 7. It says, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. God's wanting us to see here uh, verse number 8 as well. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. What's God saying? Keep the feast like the Jewish people kept the feast? No. Keep the feast by remembering that leaven has the potential to grow in any Christian's heart. And God desiring for us to confess it. Agree with God about it. Purge that out. Why? Because it'll grow. The emphasis here is on malice itself, according to verse number 8. And, 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 and malice is unique. Um, it's ill will that is manifested by the desire to do injury to someone else. It's like I've been hurt and so I want to do hurt back. And, and it maybe starts small in our life, but it can grow to have some unbelievable, horrific ramifications. I didn't bother to read the story because I just don't like to dwell on those things, but I, I, I saw something this week about a father, uh, whether it was on the phone or something, but killed his family uh, because of the malice he had in his heart toward his estranged wife. Willing to go to that extreme. Why? Because of malice in his heart. You say, it's just a little thing at first. I'm just kind of out of sorts with that person. I, I just, you know, they, they just did something that rubbed me the wrong way. Oh, we better deal here with the old leaven. We better deal with the leaven of malice. And, and the scripture helps us with that. First Peter 1, uh, 2 verse 1, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, Colossians 3.8 says, put off these things, anger, malice, wrath. This is New Testament verses dealing with leaven. Dealing with things that come into our life that if we don't deal with them, they're going to grow. And God says, deal with the old leaven. Deal with the leaven of the malice. Number three, the leaven of hypocrisy. Don't have the time, but there in the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 12, verse 1, Jesus said, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And then he shared with us what that is, which is hypocrisy. You know what hypocrisy is? It's, it's play acting. There in the times of the Greeks, it was literally the word that was used for an actor. They're, 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 they're playing a game. It's hypocrisy. They'd put on a mask. They'd play another person's life or part. And God is saying, listen, for the child of God, 
Don't get in the place here where you are living in hypocrisy. Hypocrisy simply means that you are portraying yourself to be something that you're not. That's, all it, that, that's what hypocrisy means. Uh, you know, tenderness among God's people is a, is a sign that pride and hypocrisy are being dealt with like you would deal with leaven. You're, you're, you're purging it. And Jesus said, listen, the thing that the Pharisees had above all is they had this hypocritical heart and spirit uh, because uh, what they were on the outside was not what they were on the inside. And the Bible tells us here that we better deal with that, deal with hypocrisy. Number four, the leaven of worldliness. Mark chapter 8, verse 14 and 15 deals with Herod. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. The worldly spirit of the Herodians and the worldly spirit of the Herods of Jesus' day was one of compromising between Rome and dealing with the uh, Jewish people. And the Herods were great at compromising to try to, uh, of course, keep the kingdom under rule. And our warning here is that we better be careful also about the leaven of worldliness in our life. The Bible still says, be not conformed to this world, but be a transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, the world is always desiring to put a little speck of leaven into our life. And, and we don't think it's that big of a deal until it grows and grows and grows and grows. You know what the embarrassing thing is, I think, for so many of us as Christians is we've kind of lined ourselves up with groups, and then as those groups have gotten worse and worse and worse and worse, we look back and say, what are we doing? You know, we've heard over the weeks now the Me Too hashtag and all the corruption that's in Hollywood. Can I tell you something? Hollywood's always been corrupt. This is nothing new. They're just good hypocrites. <laughs> They've been able to keep it from everybody for quite a while. And, and now the Me, Me Too movement and the social media movement has uh, brought them out from the darkness. And so they're exposed for being the uh, hypocrites, the actors that they are, uh, pushing one agenda on you but living a totally different way uh, outside the, the purview of the, of the public. And, and God's desiring for us to recognize that, boy, we got to be careful about linking up with these. I, I know I grew up you know, on, on Disney, and, and boy, if you look at the company, we've had Christians. Michael and Charlotte's daughter had to walk away from Disney because of the homosexual push on, on the films here with these uh, younger children. And we just, we just like are the frog in the, in the pot. We just think this is going to impact. This isn't going to have any impact. It doesn't matter if they just give a little bit of here and a little bit of there. Folks, we've got to wake up. That little bit of leaven is going to leaven the whole lump. And we're going to look back at a generation. We're going to say, well, what happened to them? We're not willing to deal with the leaven. We're not willing to just be real with God and deal with worldliness. Because God gives us the warning here concerning the leaven of the hypocrites and the leaven of Herod and that we could find ourselves there as well. All right? The leaven of hypocrisy, leaven of malice, the old leaven, the leaven of worldliness, the leaven of the Sadducees. I, uh, Matthew 16, verse 6. Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. The Sadducees denied uh, the resurrection. They denied angels and spirits. 
the, the Sadducees, because you can remember this, uh, because they don't believe in the resurrection, they were sad, you see. And, uh, and that's how we remember that, that uh, these are the Sadducees. They denied uh, the, the spiritual work and miracles, according to Acts chapter 23, verse number 8. Angels, spirits, miracles, resurrection, they denied it all. They're, they're kind of uh, uh, like the apostates of years gone by. Oh, yes, they'll take the little good things from the Bible, but they don't believe in, in the supernatural work of God. Well, God says we've got to remove the leaven of the Sadducees, uh, that, that spirit uh, in our hearts and in our lives uh, that, that, that cause us to not believe all that God gives to us in His Word. And lastly, just write down this, the leaven of false doctrine. I wish I had a little bit more time here, but Matthew chapter number 16, uh, verse number 6, Galatians 1. The whole book of Galatians is about false doctrine that's come into the churches of Galatia, where there's another gospel that's being preached. There's another Savior, there's another gospel. They are now adding things to salvation. So it's not just, I'm saved by grace through faith, but I'm saved by grace through faith plus something else. you got to do this. And they were saying, you got to get circumcised. Well, that was a religious ritual of the Jewish uh, uh, faith. And so now these New Testament believers are saying, no, you got to do that in order to really be saved. Listen, there are no pluses when it comes to salvation. It's Jesus Christ alone. And it's not Jesus plus this and Jesus plus that and Jesus and my baptism or Jesus and my confirmation. It is Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, the life. Jesus only. And so now this false doctrine is coming in, this leaven of this false doctrine. And, and we realize here that it's creating havoc and, and making issues. Let's go to Galatians chapter number 5. So after this whole book, we're, we're dealing here uh, with this false doctrine and uh, this circumcision. Paul is imploring them. Notice verse 6, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? Goes on to verse number 9. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Boy, just a little, little false teaching in the church. Just a little bit. A little leaven. And it gets a toehold. And then we look, and a couple years later, it seems like that church is drifting farther and farther. And that leaven is growing just a little bit more. And the church continues to drift and drift and drift and it grows more and more and more. And we see the impact of the leaven in the church when you start reading through the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3. And oh, how God gave them commendations, but then he condemned them as well. So the scripture 
helps us to see that my salvation is by grace through faith in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. But now that I'm saved, God calls me to a different walk. Do you see that? God calls us to a walk of fellowship and communion with Him. And, and, and we rejoice in our positional sanctification. 1 Peter 1, 2, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit. But we also understand that there is a practical sanctification that must be done. Where God calls us, 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. And God desires that we would take inventory of our self, of our dwelling place, of our life, of those areas that we're allowing these little bits of leaven to come in that will take over if we're not humble before God and desiring for God to help us in this area. Thank God for the Passover, for salvation in Jesus Christ alone. But now we're on a journey because the blood of Christ has washed away our sin, God's desire now is that we be on the lookout for leaven, that we might be able to confess before God and continue maintaining that fellowship with Him. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church. If this message was a help to you, please feel free to share it on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.